Happy New Year, everyone. I love this time of year, and I always look forward to preaching the first Sunday of the new year. It, it, to me, it just electrifies me. It excites me to be able to preach to you. If you're joining us online today, it's just not the same as being in the room. If you're, you're joining us in your pajamas, having your coffee, whatever you're doing, it's just not the same. Dan and your crew, I mean, worship was great this morning in, in-house. For me, it moves me personally, and it just focused my heart and my life on Jesus. And I hope it does you, whether you're at home or here present in the room. It just is huge to be with the body of Christ, with the family of believers here. I praise the Lord for you every time I get to worship with you and be a part of this experience with you. Now, I want you to know something. I traveled this last week, this last Sunday, we left to go to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina to be with our son and his family. And so drove, got there, you know, they didn't want us to come in on Sunday or Monday morning real early, so we got there about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, turned around, came back on Thursday, drove the 14 hours, about, I don't know, six or 700 miles, got back. But I just want you to know that you all have me beat. Because in the last 24 hours, you traveled 20,000 miles. Didn't know that. And you're really fast, too. 833 miles an hour is how fast you went. Did you know that? One revolution around the axis of the world. That's how fast we're going. You're thinking, I'm faster than any Olympic runner. And you're just sitting down. Now, figure this out. That's 7 million miles around the axis of the earth annually. And if you think about going around the sun, which we do annually, 568 million miles. So you, the next time you fly Delta or American Airlines or whatever, you can say, I'm a frequent flyer. (laughs) Right? Now, isn't that amazing that annually, daily, things happen, and they just continue to go on. Now, somebody said, hey, they listened to my sermon, my New Year's sermon 2019. Melinda Emmert did that this morning. First thing, I thought, man, I don't remember what I preached 2019. I hope it was, she said it was a good sermon. I said, don't remember. She said it was a perfect sermon to go into 2020, and the world's changed since then. In fact, uh, Tony Liston and Stephanie are here today. Preacher extraordinary. Hey, Tony, thanks for being here. And he told me, he told me this just in passing, that one-third of the church post-pandemic aren't attending church anymore. One-third is in a different church, and one-third stayed. Isn't that amazing? The landscape has changed, and we didn't even, well, we've realized it, but we've experienced it over the last what, three years, two years, however you want to figure it. And the question is, as we come into this new year, brand spanking new, and by the way, I'm just, the first thing we did this morning in the 830 service was we baptized someone into Christ. Sandy Haggart was baptized into Christ this morning. And I, I just want to say this, she's retired A retired lady came. First thing, baptistry wasn't even warm. It was cold water. 
and, and she'd worked all night, and she came to be baptized in Christ. And I said, what a better way to start the new year. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. Now, I gotta, is something big happening this year? Is something big going to happen in your life? It might be planned. It might be something good. It might be, you know, you're getting married. You're, you're graduating from high school. You're graduating from elementary school. You're graduating from kindergarten. You're graduating from college. You're making a career move. You're buying a new house. You're doing something different and new. But we really, really don't know, do we? And sometimes we make plans and they come to fruition. I was in my 20s, into my 30th year, and I thought I was in control of my life. I had an agenda. We were on the agenda, and things were going just like clockwork, and I thought, man, I'm good. I'm in control. I was just dumb enough or ignorant enough not to know that just so far I'd been barely lucky. And then things didn't go the way I expected. And I had to stop and think, hey, you know, I really am not in control. Now, the psalm writer writes it this way. He says in Psalm 90:12, he says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, just because you're chronologically older doesn't mean that you're wiser, but maybe there's the opportunity that you will grow Wiser. Paul says this in Philippians 3. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, remember we're forgetting what we li- lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I can tell you one thing, that if you set the goal on Christ Jesus for this year, this will be a great year. Now, I have a goal personally this year. I want to be drunk in the Holy Spirit this year. Now, some of you thought I was going to go a different direction. Shame on you. But I want to try that out. I want to be drunk in the Holy Spirit. I want to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that it's overflowing in my life. And as I have aged, I've realized, you know what? The only transforming power in our lives is the Holy Spirit of God and the grace of God and the Word of God. And that works together to change us from the inside out. Jesus said it this way about time. He said, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, not about that uncertainty that is in our world, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Now, that sounds kind of crazy. What, 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 Jesus is saying there that the anxiety that we experience in today, the troubles, the circumstances, the trials that we experience today, handle those with God's help. Don't worry about tomorrow. It doesn't mean that you don't plan for the future. You don't take care of business. You don't do the things that you know that will set you up for success. But leave that there. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Be present in the now. Now, James says it another way in James chapter 4, and this is James, the brother of the Lord, and he says this, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year and there and trade and make a profit. That sounds like me. Yet, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. 
Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. James calling us back to the reality that we are not in control, ever. That life is full of uncertainty. But we trust in the Lord. and We have the faith to know that he will provide for the now and forever. But also, remember, we forget what's past. And, and I, I just want you to know that I am a really good failure. I make a lot of mistakes. Hopefully I learn from some of them if I don't forget the mistake I made and make it again. And I hope you are too because you forget that, you learn, and you move on. Because God's grace is sufficient. His forgiveness is sufficient. Now the title of my message this morning is this, One More Year. And it comes from an obscure parable that if I, I, if I wanted to be a little ornery this morning, I would have uh, just said, hey, is this in the Bible or not? Because if you read through the Bible in a year, and like Dave said, I, I invite you all to join me in the YouVersion Bible app and, and reading through the Bible in a year. I use the one-year Bible. It's uh, Old Testament, New Testament, typically a psalm and the proverb of the day. And I would just challenge you to do that. Just, if you want to spend 15 minutes a day, just like he said, to grow and to be changed and transformed by the Word of God, very simple to do. Just, you just work through it. Now, if you hit Numbers and Deuteronomy, that, that gets a little rough there, but hang in there, because, or Leviticus, hang in there, you'll get through it. But there are parts of the Bible that God wants to speak to you this year that is only for you. And you'll have an opportunity to hear the Lord speak into your life. And you'll be transformed by the word of God. Now, we believe that here. We believe that in the life-transforming power of the word of God and the spirit of God in every individual's life. If we hold our hands out before the Lord and ask him to do that changing work. Anyway, Luke 13, chapter, or, chapter 13, verse 6, Jesus tells this parable. And it, and let me put this into the context of that he was talking about repentance before he shares this parable. Verse 6, and he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Figs were a big deal back in that time. There was no refrigeration. There was no produce stand. Fig tree, you ate it off the tree and it might last for a little while. And, and figs, a fig tree produces about 10 years out of 12 years. And the only time I ever had figs was as a kid. And, and remember the fig Newton? Somehow I lusted after those in my grandma's bread box. That was a big deal back in the day. But this was maybe the only dessert available in that Palestine community at the time. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and I put on manure. Don't you love the Bible? Put a little manure on it. 
And then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The owner of the vineyard was asked by the caretaker of the vineyard for one more year. What if Jesus would say to you, you have one more year to produce, to grow, to bear fruit? Would you take advantage of that one more year? And I want to remind you of this. I want to, I want to remind you of this, that God doesn't want to cut you down. He wants to help you grow. That's the whole purpose. God wants to fertilize, wants to water. He wants you to produce the fruit that you were created to produce. You see, the caretaker wants to give you another chance. And this new year, this first day of the new year, is another opportunity, another chance to live for the Lord, to be filled, to be indwelt, to be transformed. Now, a lot of us don't make resolutions. I like what Shaley had to say in our opening this morning. But the problem is, if we get stagnant and comfortable, we, there's atrophy and entropy, and we stop doing what we need to be doing. And so when we get comfortable, God digs around, and he stirs things up like that caretaker was going to do around that fig tree. And we've got to realize something, that we are expected to grow until we die, spiritually speaking. I love Psalm 1. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I can remember the first time I ever read it because I wasn't reading through the Bible in the year as a, a high schooler. And I went to Johnson Bible College and I saw this in the bookstore and it was calligraphy. And I fell in love with this passage. And it was only the first few verses, but I find the whole chapter fascinating. Psalm 1, 1 through 6, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Can you imagine murmuring the word of God? And he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither in all that he does, he prospers. The, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, my watch speaks to me while I preach. I've got to figure out how to stop that. <laughs> I know, I know, Siri, you don't understand. Oh, my. Think about it. The way of the wicked, counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of scoffers. Who are you listening to? Are you listening to the world or are you listening to the word of God and the spirit of God speaking into your life? Or are we listening to Siri? What I find interesting is 
it's God-centered, it's Word-centered, it's Spirit-centered life that gives life to us. And when I think about growing trees, I never really thought about it, but as I was doing research for this sermon, I discovered that, you know, trees, the way I, I would like to live, this is the way I would like to live if I were a tree. I would want to live near a river of water, which Psalm 1 is, is like, always in the sun and just have all the space and nutrients that I need. And I just want to live that ideal existence. You know what that makes? For a lightweight, weak tree. That's what it makes. Because what they discover is that you plant a tree and you create adversity and, and various temperature ranges and challenges for it to grow that the skin thickens, it becomes a denser wood, and it lives longer because of the adversity. Now, I want to tell you, I have never prayed for patience, and I've never prayed for adversity. Because I know it will just come naturally because we live in a sinful, fallen world. But aren't you, as believers, stronger because of the trials and the temptations and the struggles that you've endured as you approach them by faith in God? And hasn't God delivered you every time? Isn't that the truth? Now, if God gives you one more year, how are you going to use this year if he gives you one more year? Because we've got to realize something. The Apostle Peter, when the chief of the apostles, didn't write as much as what Paul did, but this is what he says. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Folks, every day we live, every moment that we exist, every time you take a breath is another opportunity to serve God. And to live. And we take that for granted. Peter goes on to say, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. See, love matters. When we say our values at the end of the service, as Dan leads us, we, we talk about bless, B-L-S-S, and we skip the E, because four values is better than five because we struggle remembering four, but we believe the Bible, we love others, we seek others and share Christ. Loving is to be a characteristic of our community in Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 13, 2, the latter part of the verse, Paul says, but do not have love, I am nothing. Is love a characteristic of your life? John, the elder, John, the beloved of Jesus, John, who rests his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper, says this later in life. He says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You know, love matters so much, it has to be a characteristic of our church. I want you to know that it is. I, I, we had some guests this last, actually they joined our church, and and... What they said is this was a loving church. And I, I took that as a compliment, and as a compliment to you. 
because your characteristics, your love is being felt and expressed in our relationships with one another. That's the way it ought to be. Jesus said this, he said, by this everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. And you see, we as a church have to deliver on that promise all the time. And, and our church in our community needs to know, be known as a church that loves people. He goes on to say, Peter goes on to say, but above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, if you're a parent or a grandparent, I know you think your children are perfect and your grandchildren are perfect. I know mine are. But, but in reality, we, we see ourselves and our children and in their feelings and in their mistakes and in their sins, don't we? And yet we love them and want the best for them and give them the benefit of the doubt over and over again because of that love. We need to extend that out to the family of God. And those in our community that struggle over and over again doesn't mean that what they're doing is right. It doesn't mean that, that God's going to bless sin and, and continual mistakes. No. But our attitude is to love them in spite of what they do because our father does that for us he sees us the way we are and chooses to love us and to forgive us he has a crazy crazy love for every one of you and some of you are thinking in your head yeah that that's for them but not for me no that is for you peter says this above all love each other deeply. Now, deeply means to stretch or strain. The Greeks used it to describe a horse that was racing at top speed. Straining. Racing. To me, it reminds me of my youth pastor who chose to follow his calling his name was Rick Starr, and, and we played softball. We had a state championship slow-pitch softball league when I was a young kid. Made a difference and impacted my life. The guys that I played with were, were great ball players. I wasn't a great ball player. They let me play with them. I was the youngest guy on the team. And what was amazing was Rick could have, instead of going Bible college and follow, following his calling of the Lord, he could have went into pro baseball and was drafted, and he chose not to. But I can, I can remember watching this softball game. I was on the bench where I belonged, and he was playing shortstop, and he made this amazing catch. It was a diving catch. Now, I've, I'd seen this on TV before, but not in real life. And he had stretched out, he had dove, caught the ball, fell full body compact, uh, uh, impact on the ground, and my draw dropped. I mean, I still remember this, and this is 50 years later. 50 years later. It was unbelievable. He stretched out, strained every muscle. Made an impact on my life. Now he's in heaven, died of brain cancer. Too early. Great man of faith. And then it reminds me that Jesus was stretched out on a cross 
straining everything he had. He loved you so deeply. See, love covers over a multitude of sins. Can you imagine for all eternity, Jesus' blood, he stretched out and gave his life for you and for me. You see, the goal is to forgive sin, not just to expose it or to condemn it. Now, as this new year begins, is there someone that you need to forgive? Now, that doesn't mean if they continue to sin against you, that doesn't mean that you're condoning it. You don't allow it. You don't allow them to continually hurt you. But you give up the right to bear a grudge. You give up the right to give, get even. You, you, you choose to forget it and not allow it to predominate, to dominate in your life. Now, someone's multitude of sins, you need to let go of and you need to forgive that. You need to move on in your life. Don't allow that to eat you up from the inside out. Now, Peter goes on to say in this passage, he says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, I think that this is hilarious because do you ever grumble when you have guests in your home or after you've had guests in the holidays and there's a mess that maybe somebody made that you love and you kind of grumble about it? I mean, that's reality. Isn't that practical? That's practical, practical ministry and service. I know that when I spend time, either people in my household or I'm spending time in their household like I did, about three to four days in, I'm done. I've given up my bedroom. I've given up my bathroom. We've been sharing towels. The laundry's built up. It's a mess. But Peter says... Not to do that with grumbling. If we love each other deeply, we're going to serve practically. Then he goes on to say, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. I would challenge you to think of your key ring. Of how many keys you have on your key ring. And think about each thing that it represents. Maybe a car, maybe a house, maybe a barn, maybe a shed. I don't know what you have keys and locks on. You are a steward of those things. God has given you those things. But you know what? As faithful stewards, we only have those for a certain amount of time. They might rust, they may wear out. Our seasons of life change and things that we own and possess are passed on to other people or sold or, or, or destroyed. You know, when, when he talks about faithful stewards and using our gifts in various forms, that means multicolored or many-faceted. Those are, that, that means that only you can do the things that you can do. And I can only do the things that I can do, but I can't do what you can do. But you can't do what I can do. Because we all need to be serving and growing. That board out there that says serving and growing, maybe some of you need to take on a life group and be a host in your home. Some of you need to take on uh, a place in leadership or, or in serving in some way. Whatever God calls you to, just seek the Lord. Seek first God and his kingdom. And he says all these things will be added unto you. 
Now, 2023, the first day of 2023. We're living in A.D., not C.E., as far as I'm concerned, or B.C., before Christ. We are living, according to the Latin, Anno Domini. It means the year of our Lord. Will 2023 be a year of the Lord for you in your life? Peter goes on and he finishes and he says, If anyone speaks, they should do as so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. One more year. I know for some of you, you've experienced a lot of years. Maybe God will grant you one more year. But if this were our last year and we don't know the time or the season, would you be ready? Would you be found productive and fertile and producing fruit and growing? I pray that you would and that I would as we accept the challenge to live another year for the Lord in the year of the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today's the day, now's the time. No better time than this. Baptistry is a little cold, but it's always ready for you. If you need to get right with God, now's the time to repent. You've gotten one more breath and one more moment. If God's calling you to ministry or service in any way, it's an opportunity to obey and to grow and be a strong tree. I don't know what we'll face in 2023, but I know that God will be with us every step of the way. Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God and Father, once again we come to you. And Father, I don't know where all these lives are in relationship to you. I hope that they know you as Lord and Savior. I hope that, Father, if our life changes and maybe we won't have another day or another moment, that we would be ready because we have served you and trusted in your grace and trusted in your word and know that we are saved, that we are saved, that we are saved. And Father, where we need to repent, where your spirit is convicting us, Lord, we pray that you would transform and give us the willingness and the desire, the grace to do what you desire us to do because it's all about you, Father. It's not about us. We can't do it on our own. No way, no how. Father, I just pray that you would do your work in every one of us and we give you all the praise and all the glory like Peter did in Jesus' name.